0: And if you remember, Joseph was seventeen years old when he went out from his father's house to enter into slavery. He was thirty years old when he stood before Pharaoh. It's a long time. Whose feet the irons hurt. Was all of that necessary? God thought so. And Joseph thought so. He could say to his brothers, don't be angry with yourselves. It was not you who brought me here, but God, that He might preserve a posterity but when in his good time God granted him not just liberty but enlargement <coughs> he was made he was made to rule over the land of Egypt. It was not you that sent me here, but God. He hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. This one whose ambitions died in prison could be trusted with enlargement. David David knew what enlargement was. He had been in the cave of Adullam. Now, the caves in Israel are not Carlsbad, I assure you. This was cramped quarters for 400 men. And they better be out of sight because there were people from, who were friendly to Saul who would betray them. So they had cramped quarters. But in God's good time, he was brought to the throne, first of Judah and then to the whole nation. He brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me. Now, enlargement is all the more delightful after a season in the pinch of poverty. Some of you have lived through the Great Depression. Some of you have no notion what it was like. That's all right. But for those of us who remember, God has granted us enlargement. God does not leave His work half done. After bringing them, Him forth, He enlarged them. Not only does He rout the foe, lead the captive into liberty, but he grants enlargement. The description of the work of Jehovah's servant is described in the 61st chapter of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. And here David says, He brought me forth. He delivered me. Because He delighted in me. It was sovereign mercy that chose a fugitive Set on the throne? Sovereign mercy, free grace, unexplainable favor. This is a mystery. Why? Why should the all sufficient God, who has no need of anything, concern himself, bother with worms of earth like you and me. It's a mystery. And the proper response is bow and wonder. That we are the recipients of such attention, because he delighted in me. Now the verses that follow <clears throat> verse 20 through 24 have puzzled some. Now if we view this psalm as prophetical of Messiah, which certainly it is, we noted last Sunday that two of the verses, two of the verses from this psalm are quoted in the New Testament as quotations of Christ. So, there can be no doubt that this uh, psalm is messianic. If If we look at this in terms of Messiah, we have no problem with these strong claims to righteousness. If one only looks at David... The verses have perplexed many, but uh, really they need not do so. Saul, in prosecuting his persecution of David, had lodged accusations against David of treason. Now, Saul was insane. He was demon-possessed, certainly at times. And his, (coughs) his paranoia extended even to his own son. He could he could stand in a tirade before his so- soldiers and say, "Why haven't any of you told me that uh, even my own son is in cahoots with this traitor?" Now, when you consider these things that Saul accused David of, namely treason. David could say, I am innocent. I am altogether innocent of such charges. There is no guilt of that in me. so david could face these charges and assert that they were absolutely groundless now we can we can understand that an honest man is not guilty of self-righteousness if he says that he is honest he is simply telling the truth and it is fair to say that he believes God will reward him for his honesty. It was not dishonest of Job to maintain his integrity. He was not a hypocrite nor a Pharisee. Those are truths that God Himself asserted when talking to Satan. Hast thou considered My servant Job, that there is none like him, a perfect man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? So we may consider these statements of these verses as... The Song of a Good Conscience. Now, some of us have a problem. <clears throat> when Paul was arraigned before the Sanhedrin, That august body stood in awe of the high priest. But Paul could say, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. I wish I could say that. The high priest didn't believe it. He said, slap him on the mouth. (laughs) Here David says, I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. I have done what I should have done. I have not done the things that I should not have done. In our confessions, we frequently must admit that we have done what we ought not to have done and what we have left undone that should have been attended to. But the verse concludes, have not wickedly departed from my God. Departures from God are wicked. In the fourth chapter of Genesis, we're told that Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. That was wicked. Jonah fled from the presence of the Lord. That was wicked. Here David says, I have not wickedly departed from my God. God never departs from His people. Let them take heed of departing from Him. Here David says, I remained conscious that God's eye was upon me and mindful of His requirements and statutes. For all His judgments were before me. I did not put away his statutes from me. Now men generally remember what they choose to remember. And generally they can forget what they do not wish to remember. But we should keep the Word of God, the character of God, and the actions of God before our eyes so constantly that our words and our actions are affected by it. All His judgments were before me. I did not put away His statutes from me. Backsliders begin with dusty Bibles and go on to filthy garments. In verse 23, David claims sincerity. I was also upright before him and I kept myself from mine iniquity. Now, David was conscious that he had faults. He had a quick temper. You remember when Nabal insulted his messengers? Just that quick. It went all over him. And he, uh, he responded. 1 Samuel 25, David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told David all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword? And they girded on every man his sword, and David also girded on his sword. There went up after David about four hundred men and two hundred abode by the stuff. Verse 21, And David had said, Surely in vain have I kept all that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light any male." But by keeping his eye on this weak link, he was enabled to behave himself well towards Saul. Given an opportunity to put all of his miseries at an end, he would not touch God's anointed. Verse 24, therefore hath the Lord recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his eyesight. Now there's a thing I'd point out here that is David was aware of. His righteousness was of the Lord. God is so good, he gives us grace. He gives us holiness and then rewards us for it. Do we deserve a reward for what He gives? No. But we have a marvelous God. Generous, gracious, kind, beneficent. we would do well to keep our eye upon him. like you.